श्री गुरु वैष्णव गुरु परंपरा की जय गंग महाप्रभु की जय गो भक्त वृंद की जय been speaking about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's appearance and also about the Bhagavad Tattva relative to the occasions that we are gathered to celebrate. And as I had mentioned, we spoke a bit about the external and historical appearance of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the empirically verifiable uh, appearance of Sri Chaitanya about some some 500 plus um, years ago in West Bengal. Mm. That was February 18th and Thursday at 6.15 in the evening. And uh, we talked about the stellar status, the constellations and, and so forth and a bit of how that uh, foretold and played into the, the playing out of his uh, teaching and so forth and his emphasis on Namsan Kirtan. So this I am referring to as the exoteric exoteric uh, description of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's uh, descent for the dissemination of the uh, Nam Dharma and in the context of that to open uh, windows of opportunity for the uh, soul of this world to enter into the pastoral, uh, private, intimate uh, leelas of Radha and Krishna. However, at the same time, I mentioned that there is an esoteric genesis, if you will, timeless origin of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and we need to speak a little bit about that. And to do that, we have to move from the empirically verifiable world of happenings to the inner subjective meditative world of Krishna Leela. Hmm? That uh, we can't empirically verify, but... uh, we know in the very least that it is appearing in this world on a regular basis in the hearts of great devotees. I've said before, it's harder to dismiss the... it's easier to dismiss the existence of God than it is to dismiss the existence of love of God. People dismiss the existence of God because they can't see him he was here, why doesn't he show up? Something like that. Mm. Um, We held a trial (laughs) 
and he didn't show up. The trial of, uh, of, 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 of reason uh, and uh, uh, empiricism and rationalism were the judge and the jury, and he didn't show up. Of course, we reply, well, yeah, that's for good reason. Neither did you show up. Neither does the self, which transcends reason um, and sensual verification, show up for the trial. It was beneath yourself, even to speak of being beneath God. Hmm? Um, but, that said, we do find him, empirically speaking, uh, and rationally speaking, appearing in the hearts of devotees in the form of love of God. So if there's love of God, obviously there has to be God. And of course, when we speak of love of God, we're speaking about a, a philosophical love of God, a metaphysical, a wise love of God that, in, that is, arises out of hmm, a transcendence of the human passions and the limits of the human um, condition. Hmm? And what's involved in that, of course, is the death of the ego, the identity, that I'm this, that, or the other thing. I am, but I'm not this or that. That's here today and gone tomorrow. I am, that's for sure. And that can be experienced in, in real spiritual practice. And if the, the spiritual practice that gives rise to the experience of the self, hmm, that is a unit of eternity, knowledge, and bliss, um, if the practice that gives rise to that is the practice of, of bhakti, hmm, and Krishna bhakti in particular, as we know it, then, then along with knowing the self is knowing the full prospect of the self uh, in, in, in its capacity to love, because... Bhakti brings into the picture, well, not only the self and its capacity to love, but the object of love that is uh, such that we can, uh, that all love can be reposed therein hmm, and distributed thereby. Hmm. Like I said the other night, the stomach distributes the food in a way that no other part of the body can. So our spiritual source, if you will, Krishna, um, not for lack of a better name, but perhaps the most complete nomenclature of the absolute, <laughs> Krishna, all attractive, hmm? depicted as he is in art, music, and experienced in that inner meditative subjective world as, as the, the, the combination of all things that are attractive, hmm? youth, simplicity, hmm? um, so on and so forth. Uh, we discussed this a little bit uh, and that somewhat relative to, well, when I say, for example, the complexion, the color sham, it's not in our, uh, what do they call those, books of colors, you know, you get at the hardware store, or the, or the or graphics, um, forget their name, but anyway, so many colors, but sham is not quite there. Anyway, this is, in Indian aesthetics, the romantic color, so... Described in this way, depicted, experienced in a subjective world, in terms of all that which is most attractive. So it it's, implies that that consciousness center that we are 
or fire that we are a spark of is uh, irresistible if we can come within its vicinity and in order to do so which we can we have to come out of the smoke smoke is also part of the fire but it's the dark side Uh, so we have to come out from the dark side and um, as a spark we can enter into the fire not in any other way so this is what we mean by wise love and this wise love of God we see it in saintly persons we see it across cultures uh, in different religious traditions amongst the mystics um, to to different extents Hmm? and it's all characterized at the baseline by this ego effacement this transcendence of human passions um greed, desire, lust. Again, it's not like rocket science. What is enlightenment? Um, (laughs) uh, So it's pretty simple, but it's not that easy. (laughs) It's simple to explain, not that easy to attain, but worthy of attainment more so than anything else. Indeed, it is the very thing, in a sense, that human existence pursues to one extent or another in, in all of its nobleness, it's like you have noble thoughts about your child and you would like your child to go to school and learn to be a good person and the best person and and you know your own shortcomings and so you want to teach your child, don't do that, don't be like that. That'll be. So we want our children to be really enlightened, hmm? to be sadhus. We, we, we want that of ourselves. Unfortunately, sometimes we... We give up on ourselves, but uh, what we want, what the whole world unanimously says is, is most desirable, without thinking about it perhaps deeply, is the very thing that genuine spiritual practice is exclusively focused on. So it's not such a foreign idea. It may appear as such, and it may appear like, well, yeah. We want that, but it's impossible. They're doing the impossible, trying for the impossible. But no, it is possible, and there are examples. And the fact that there are rare and a few, they are rare and few, uh, is should be par for the course. We may think, well, there's only a few of these mystics. I mean, what can you, you know, how can we take a few people like that seriously? These few people have changed the um, the, the history of the world. Hmm time and again um, in ways that will it can never go back hmm? you can never get away from this possibility that they exemplify hmm? the pursuit of that the idealizing of it and so forth even even the atheistic people try to become some of the really good people and say see we don't need religion for this we would agree <laughs> Krishna says you have to give up religion to pursue me but of course heart of religion is another thing the spiritual essence and the practice that uh, that begets it so forth is uh, we don't believe it can be arrived at by a secular uh, approach if you will um, um, but it, it, it is pursued here and books are even written about it now that the, the ideal of meditation it, it, atheists even accept that it's 
it's, it sounds noble and so forth. So, so uh, here we are practicing that. And, and as I say, those who, who we are practicing because we're inspired by someone who has, has risen above and sets that kind of example. It doesn't take many. Um, and if you're a little bit high-minded and, and having seen the highest ideal, you cannot settle for something less, so you're driven to pursue that. Even with, we are, as I say, with our, with our shortcomings, to get up again and get up and do it again. Hmm? Try again, something like that. As a child tries to walk. Hmm? And, and the saints look at us like that. Huh? Get up and try it again. You can do it. It's possible. Here, hold my hand a little bit. I let you go. Something like that. So, so it's easier, in one sense, um, to dismiss God. But the love of God is in your face, so to speak. It's it's in the world. Of course, there are misrepresentations of it, and that's a problem. And that's not wise when my love of God translates out into killing other people and people of other religions for that matter and um, so on but but misrepresentation of a good thing only speaks uh, indirectly of that good thing itself hmm? so there are sadhus, there are saintly people and their lives are extraordinary and they're, they offer some observable evidence as to the supernatural they do supernatural things Hmm? They may not make magic, but they, like Prabhupada said, these boys have given up sex. That's magic. That's magical. That's supernatural. Something like that. Um, so, easier to dismiss God than 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 love of God. Hmm. And that love of God, if you will, this is the main uh, subject of Srimad Bhagavatam, and that love of God is is what we talk about. Um, when we invoke the name Sri Krishna Chaitanya, it it means love of God actually. Hmm? Krishna Chaitanya, Sri Krishna Chaitanya. Hmm? Chaitanya means consciousness, and Krishna means the all attractive center to be conscious of and fully connected with the center. Sri Krishna Chaitanya, in the way that Radha is, that Sri is. Hmm? This is this is the epithet that uh, 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 for our uh, uh, the person whose appearance we're celebrating, Sri Krishna Chaitanya. This is his name in terms of his outreach to the public, and also in terms of his inner personal reach. Hmm? Krishna appearing as a sadhu. Hmm? Setting an example for the public as to what is attainable, what high prospect hmm, there is uh, uh, through his dispensation, and also uh, he's giving it out and he's looking within at the same time. Hmm? He's pursuing the love of. Uh, of Radha for himself, her her vantage point. This is very uh, extraordinary. So, Sri Krishna Chaitanya. It speaks to us about love of God. 
in the person of Sri Chaitanya we see extraordinary love of God and therefore in him we see God hmm. he is love of God and God together so to speak hmm. and uh, and so the esoteric timeless origin of Sri Krishna Chaitanya this uh, uh, takes place deep within the subjective meditative world everything all right of krishna lila hmm? and that book the the book that records that uh, we have some information about that from of course is the great bhagwat the theological if you will and philosophical as i refer to it uh sequel to the bhagavad gita hmm? And there, in that book, there are three uh, primary centers, centers of focus uh, that constitute three different types of love of God. Prem is the term that is used. Three centers within the book. There is the Vatsalya Center, hmm? covering the chapters of the Damodar Leela. Three, four, some chapters hmm? Mother Jasoda's love for Krishna it's very powerful and uh, this is uh, this is the as I said these are the real forces of the world that the sadhus in our lineage the saints were concerned with Vatsalya Sakya Madhurdya they were concerned with the forces that really do drive the human world hmm? nowadays it's thought that the forces of gravity and as I say electromagnetism and so forth these are the forces of the world but it's these subjective forces that drive that really drive the human the world of human experience so these kinds of love were driven by parental love were driven by friendly love were driven by romantic love for example but we're we're often driven to a dead end in that the object in which we're in, in relation to which we're pursuing these types of love, the objects, they themselves die. So, oh, wrong way, dead end. I try to love as a perfect parent, but my kids died or whatever. Uh, or they, they they ended up not being my kids. Now they're adult, adults. Now they're teaching me what's going on. You know, So uh, things change. Uh, uh, and the, the objects of our love are constantly morphing into something else, and we are too. So it's problematic. And with friendly love also, and with romantic love, the same is true. We would oppose it such that the road, that road of Vatsalya, Sakya, Madhurya, becomes a dead end. So the Goswami's idea is, well, let's change the object here of that love so that it's, it's not a dead end. Hmm? Right. There may be some curves in the road to get there, hmm? due to our attachments and distractions and so forth. But as that diminishes through good association, our focus becomes one-minded. The road becomes straight. Hmm? The path becomes clear and it becomes very broad. Hmm? And all possibilities lie there, which makes us very humble before the face of that, of the magnitude of the absolute and ultimately of the kindness 
and the love of the absolute. So we are, we are drawn, and and so three centers in the Bhagavatam. We have your Vatsalya center. You have your, and that Vatsalya center is best served in this world in terms of being a window of opportunity by a lineage, uh, the Balabha lineage, the Balabha Sampradaya, the Vishnu Swami Sampradaya, the Sudadvaita Sampradaya. These Sampradaya means community, it means a lineage, it means a tradition, a school of, of Vedanta that has corresponding practices that beget a corresponding transcendental result. Hmm? So this Bhagavatam, uh, Vatsalya Center, is um, uh, served in terms of being a window of opportunity largely through the Balabha Sampradaya. The Balabha was, uh, uh, well, the, this sentiment is prominent in that, that lineage. He was a contemporary of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And it's said in Bhakti Ratnakari, he was blessed by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to have his own group. Hmm? He didn't quite fit in with associates of Mahaprabhu, but he liked Mahaprabhu very much. And and this was not for wrong reasons, but because of his sentiment. Hmm? He was like a duck among swans, it's described. Krishnadas Kabirar's language can be a little strong sometimes. Very <laughs> bit set a little sectarian in his stride, but he was establishing a sect at the time and what it included and what it did not and so forth. Um, and and so there's there's the Balaba group. Now you have the Sakyarasa center of the Bhagavatam. It consists of four chapters, the Agasur Lila and the Dinakasur Lila. Hmm? Um, and it takes us from through all four types of Sakyarasa. The Dhenakasurli that culminates in the, the, in the in the description of the Priyanarmasaka. You have to know how to read the book to see that, of course, to understand that. But it comes in in this um, in this chapter, the fifteenth chapter. So the different types of Sakyarasa. And if we look carefully, we see that this window of opportunity for Sakyarasa hmm, is best served and only served by the Gaudiya Sampradaya. There is no other Sampradaya. Hmm? Only for what Rupa has given, hmm? uh, Rupa Goswami and Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, about Sakiras, all these things we know from there, and the world knows. Hmm? I mean, it's there in the Bhagavatam. Hmm? There may be some, there are some persons who attain this in some way hmm? that are referred to in ancient times. Hmm? by the Goswamis, by Rupa Goswami himself, but as far as a system in the world hmm, that really provides an opportun- window of opportunity, a lineage, it's not amongst, it's not there in the Sri Sampradaya, not there in the Madhva Sampradaya, it's not there in the Nimbarka Sampradaya, it's not there in the Balabha Sampradaya, that leaves, it's really not there in the Shankar Sampradaya, it, it, it leaves the Bodhi Sampradaya. So, this is a window of opportunity also. Hmm? And that, of course, is the influence of Nityananda Prabhu, who Prabhupada was so much influenced by and empowered by, as we know. And then the third center of opportunity, uh, or center of love, is the Madhurdya, the romantic love. And there are five chapters that, that constitute that center, if you will. Hmm? And this 
center is served by more than one lineage. It's also served, as in terms of being a op- window of opportunity, by the Balaba Sampradaya to some extent. It's also served by the Nimbark Sampradaya to some extent. But it is served by the Gaudiya Sampradaya in the fullest extent, and to an extent that no other Sampradaya um, gives us access to. And that is the Unato Jula. Mm. Unata Ujvala Rasa. Ujvala Rasa is a term that Rupa Goswami has uh, coined. He uses it in his book titled Ujval Nilmani. Ujval Nilmani means the blue, 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 blue gem, like a blue sapphire, which Krishna is compared to. He's dark but brilliant. Hmm? Something that's dark but gives light. That's Krishna. <laughs> dark and handsome. Tall, dark and handsome. Something like that. Uh, uh, so the blue sapphire. And Ujwal. Ujwal refers to Madhurya. Hmm? Romantic love. So the romantic love of the blue sapphire like God. Hmm? Krishna. Uh, and the term unata ujvala is very special. Hmm? Ujvala means romantic love, and as I say, different sampradayas uh, serve as some window of opportunity to pass through and enter into it, that experience. But the Gaudiya sampradaya offers the unata ujvala. Hmm? This is a word added to ujvala by Rupa Goswami also in his dramatic drama Vidagdamadava uh, uh, I think Vidagdamadava or Madhava, they go together this was the uh, when he first composed it as one whole book hmm, perhaps called Vidagdamadava uh, later he was advised to divide it into two books but Anyway, the inter- so it must be the Bidag Madhava, uh, the introductory verse, not the introductory verse, but but among the introductory verses, the one that praises the deity of the book, hmm? that verse, he employs this word, unato. He says, Anarpita charim chirat karunai abhutena kalo. Samarpaitam unutojul rasam sobhakti sriyam hari purata sundaradyuti kadamba sandhi pitaha sadardaya kandaresh purato vasachinandana. This beautiful verse is about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Actually, when Rupa Goswami came to Jagannath Puri, then he stayed with Haridas Thakur, the outcast. Hmm? He considered himself somewhat of an outcast, as he was. Um, in a different way than than Hari Das was, but uh, in a similar way, uh, he was considered an outcast. But he and Hari Das, these were two of the great leaders of Chaitanya's sect. We talked about this the other day a little bit. How he crossed over the social norms, social religious norms, the caste system, and so forth, and presented an idea of essential love of God that no, no one was left out of and uh, the opportunity for which was extended to uh, 
to, to, to everyone. Hmm? Um, this is a, a very, of course, important uh, point hmm? that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teaching transcends the social religious uh, ideology or the religious orientation that uh, most people have to a tradition rather than a heart and uh, esoteric experiential orientation to the tradition, a mystical orientation to the tradition. So this is what he advocated. It's easy to get to enter with that spirit in mind and then end up on the fringe with a religious orientation. Only it's my religion. I just do it, you know, without thinking about it and what it is and so forth. And I don't get that much from it then. Therefore, we have other interests listed on our Facebook page as well. (laughs) So, (laughs) for one-mindedness, this is is required for attaining the ideal. Hmm. Uh, I remember when I first heard about the caste system, if I might for a moment digress, I was very young um, at that time, maybe sixth or seventh grade, and uh, there was a class on Hindu caste system, and it was explained as being absolutely horrific. And the way they explained it, it did sound pretty bad. Hmm? But for some reason, it didn't settle well with me. Hmm? And as I was trying to digest it and think about it, I, I thought, how could people be so, like, it was presented really cruel, this system. How could people be so cruel? As, it, as you know, there's cruel people here and there, but a whole like system like this. And then I, I had a, this. Uh, I saw this lady, who was a Hindu lady, in the school. I don't know if she was dropping off her kid or doing something. I didn't know who she was. And she was walking down the hall with a long sari on and so forth, and you know, her head covered. And I thought, that's really cool. Those, that's one of those Hindus, you know. And I don't think they could be bad like that. <laughs> this is my thinking. Hmm? I remember somebody then told me, said, those Hindus, they're weird. And I said, what do you mean? He said, he said, well, the ladies, they cover their feet because they think the feet are the most attractive part of the body instead of you know other parts of the body. And this was like seventh grade, you know. And I thought, that's weird. But I thought... What's really weird, I thought, is that, huh? And of course, it's not true what, what he was saying, but, but, but I thought that's interesting that some people in different cultures there's there's some arbitrary arbitrariness as to what part of the body is important or attractive. It's all relative, I thought. Hmm. We might think this part is attractive. They might think that part is attractive. So it was a little bit, a little bit of a philosophical take on it, and these things, these are just a couple of things that, like, you know, stick with you your whole life somehow or other. Hmm? Of course, in due course, I came to investigate the Hindu culture to some extent <laughs> and get uh, involved. And Radharani does keep her feet covered most of the time, <laughs> except on certain days. But it's those feet, and it's those feet that Krishna wants to put on his head, and this is very central to the Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Hmm? So, um, different centers in the Bhagavatam, the Madhurya center, 
Hmm? This is the center. The Rupa Goswami's verse, it says that what? Uh, that it's a, it's a, he had come to Puri, he was staying with Haridas Thakur, who was an outcast. He was an outcast of sorts from the Hindu society, so they stayed at a distance from the temple. They didn't try to go in the temple because they would be blocked from going in the temple because they were thought to be outcasts. Hmm. As if they would make the, they would, they could have some uh, uh, negative effect on the deity rather than maybe the deity could have a positive effect on them, you know. So, uh, gets that bad <laughs> in some religious traditions, uh, that, that backwards they, they have it. So, at any rate, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who was like the walking deity, hmm? Jagannath was the wooden deity in the temple, but Mahaprabhu Chaitanya was the walking deity, he would walk every day to Haridas Thakur hmm? to have his darshan, to have his association. And on this occasion, Rupa Goswami was, was there as well. And so, Mahaprabhu didn't come alone. He came with some of his other associates like Ramananda and Swarup Damodar. And, so, and these were uh, very literate men, poets, um, composers of Sanskrit verse and, and poetry and so forth. They were well acquainted with the, uh, uh, the dramatic arts and the, uh, the, the, the rules of writing a drama and, or a poem and so forth, the math, if you will, that underlies the, the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the spontaneity and the flow of, 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 of poetry. And so when Mahaprabhu introduced Rupa Goswami, he praised him, he praised his poetry, he praised even his handwriting. He said, his handwriting is like a row of pearls. Hmm. It's just in itself. It is it's poetry. Hmm? What to speak of what he writes, what he what he says with the with the words that he writes, and so after this big praise, then the poets got real interested in him, and so they began to ask him different questions. In your drama that you've written, what is the uh, Namaskar verse? What is the Ashirvad verse? And what is the this verse and that verse, and he would cite them. When they, when they asked about the, the Namaskar verse, the verse in which you offer your respect to the deity that presides over your book, then he recited this, Anarpita-charim-charak-karne-abhati-nukalo-samarapayitam-unato-jara-sam-sabhakti-srayam-hari-purata-sundra-duti-kadamba-sandi-pita-sadarade-akandare-spurato-vasachinandana. And Turned from gold to red for a moment, blushing, and he slapped over his mouth. What are you talking about? This is embarrassing. This is a verse about him, that he has come in the Kali Yuga and uh, making a rare appearance, and he is distributing the brightest jewel of Madurasa, this romantic love of God. Not only Ujwal Rasa, but unata ujwala rasa, a very special opportunity within ujwala rasa, by which his own pursuit of the experience of Radha's love could best be experienced by anyone and everyone else. Very extraordinary idea. And so to him, who's, who roars in kirtan like a lion, and, 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 and with such courage he gives to his devotees 
uh, I mean, he began the Sankirtan in Nadia, and this was a Muslim-ruled area. And so the Hindus could practice their religion, but like getting out on the streets and doing it with drums and cymbals and, and into the night, late kirtans and neighbors, even the Hindu neighbors were complaining. These guys over there, they're up all night, you know. And, and some of the Hindus, just like in any tradition, most people, members of different religious traditions, know nothing about what the tradition's about. They've got it all confused and mixed up and they said, all night they're chanting Krishna's name. And if they keep chanting like that, it's going to run out of power. <laughs> it shouldn't be spoken out loud like this everywhere. Hmm? Just like they thought, if, if, if impure people come in the temple, the deity might become contaminated. As I say. <laughs> Instead of vice versa and so forth. So, uh, so the, the Muslim ruler was alerted hmm? The, uh, and complaints were registered with him, so he sent his men out. And to tell him you can be Hindus, but poof, stop with that drum. Took the drum and they broke the drum, the clay drum, like we play here. It's a small, just a little indigenous kind of, uh, well, to West Bengal, simple instrument, not a sophisticated instrument, but uh, part of the, the folk music scene there, if you will. Hmm. Religious folk music. So they broke the drum and said, don't do this. And the Kazi says, no more. And so then they all went to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who had, was manifesting himself as a, as a devotee at this point. And he said, we'll go tonight and we'll go to the Kazi's house itself. 100,000 said, by torchlight, went to the Kazi's house and did kirtan outside. <laughs> who had told them to stop. And of course, he, he, he came downstairs and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu spoke with him, and then he made a confession that that uh, he had that in the night he had a dream, and in the dream, and this ferocious lion-headed uh, deity appeared hmm, and jumped on his chest, and 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 started to open it up like this, and he said, "I'll let you go this time, but." That's my favorite instrument. Don't ever break that again. Hmm? Mm-hmm. So uh, he he made this confession to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and all the devotees, ah, like they were in, a, in a amazement. And then he opened his shirt, and there were the scratch marks on his chest. And of course, this is a description of the Nandasingha deity, who is the lion-like deity in Hinduism, hmm? one of the Vishnu avatars, and so forth, the the, the, the protector of the kirtan. He's, he's described. He's, he presides over in a, in a protective, with a protective sensibility over the Sankirtan. Hmm. So, anyway, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself, who in the Shringa is a, is a manifestation of, he showed that to Srivas. Srivas Thakur, in whose house Mahaprabhu would perform Kirtan every night, he worshipped Nishringadev in his house. Hmm. Mahaprabhu came to his house one day, knocking on the door, and he says, oh, just a minute, I'm worshipping the Srimadeva. He says, open the door, open the door. I'm worshipping the Srimadeva. And all of a sudden, he goes, this roar. So he opened the door, and there, Machetana Mahaprabhu is appearing, like, in the Srimadeva, like, you know, it's me. You know, you're worshipping there. I'm at the door. <laughs> Let me in. And uh, so, anyway, he was uh, lion-like in a few ways, 
this is one of the ways I'm reminded of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself was lion-like, and he would roar in kirtan and and uh, and and chase away the the elephantine-like vices, if you will, that uh, that haunted the the uh, inner forest landscape uh, of the heart. Hmm? We have many vices, and lions can scare a whole herd of elephants. We may think, oh, my vices are as big as elephants, and goodness, and I'm busy feeding them, and they eat a lot. How to get rid of them? So, to invite Chaitanya Mahaprabhu into your heart, this verse says, and and so he, the son of Sachi, Rupa Goswami, offers the respect. This same verse is taken by Krishna's Kaviraj and used in his auspicious invocation to uh, Chaitanya Charitamrita in a different way than Rupa Goswami used it. Rupa Goswami used it as a verse to glorify his deity presiding over his book Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Krishnadas used it as what's called an Ashirvad sloka, a sloka by which, through which the author invokes a blessing for the readers and it does speak about a blessing. And what is the blessing? that in the context of his dispensation, he's giving a great dispensation that includes the bhavas of, of, of brudge, the, the flavors of love of the brudge, and up to the zenith point of unatojurasa, the special kind of madurasa that Rupa Goswami himself was absorbed in as a handmaiden of Radha, so identified, if you will, with Radha, in service to her, that whatever she experienced in her love of Krishna showed up in in him and all of her uh, handmaidens, if you will, in the Leela. He appears as a sadhu, celibate man in the in the, in the Gaur Leela, and is a young village girl, Rupa Goswami, in the internal meditative Krishna Leela. So, this is what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is about. And he makes his appearance in these chapters that, that, that center on this Madurasa. Hmm? Esoterically, kind of psychologically speaking, you know, what is, the, what is the proof of Chaitanya's divinity and so forth? Well, we look to Krishna Lila, we identify, look deeply at the psychology of Krishna, the nature of his Lila, and then we find reason for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, for, for the necessity, if you will, of a Chaitanya Leela, a Gore Krishna Leela, an extension of the Krishna Leela, hmm? um, that then appears and we historically documented and so on and so forth, right? So we're moving again from the external, exoteric, documentable by modern standards, <laughs> empirically speaking, appearance of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to the esoteric appearance within Krishna Leela. It begins in the last, the second to the last chapter of the five chapters that constitute this this uh, Madhurya Rasa or romantic love of Krishna, center of the Bhagavatam. It's kind of the center of the centers of the Bhagavatam. Hmm? And there in that chapter, it begins, Sukadev Goswami, of course, is the 16-year-old naked boy who's speaking this Bhagavatam to wise old sages that include his father Vyas and uh, 
Narada and so forth. It's very uh, uh, extraordinary. And the powerful image, hmm? this young 16-year-old, naked, meaning he had no desires, no, he was traveling, just oblivious to his, to his uh, external condition. And when he came into the, the, uh, the circle of those gathered on the bank of the Ganges to give counsel to the Raj, the king, Parikshit, who had been cursed to die in seven days. He'd been cursed to die, so he went to the bank of the Ganges and thought, what, am I, what, what is the meaning of life? What is the purpose of life? What should one really preoccupy oneself with in, in life in general and particularly at the time of death? And so different people were offering different ideas and solutions and, uh, and so forth. It was a huge event, just like if President Obama, I've said before, decided to go to the Mississippi and just, hey, you know, there's more to life than... than than democracy even. What am I about? And it's a crisis. And senators came and all types of people came <laughs> to give him advice. And in walks Sukadev, the naked, and everybody could see who he's oblivious to external conditions. He had conditions he has no desire. Hmm? Uh, he has, he's superhuman. Hmm? He has these observable external symptoms by which we know there's a supernatural we know there's something beyond death. We see it in him. He's died to, to everything that the world is about. Hmm? It's about clothes as soon as you grow up anyway. <laughs> and before that, clothes are no fun to get for Christmas. But at a certain point, they become, yeah, that's pretty important. Yeah. Uh, so what if you will, drives the world to say he, he was not of that. He was not involved in that. He was, but he was alive and well and better off, really, it would, it would appear. He had solved the economic problems, the political problems, social problems. They weren't issues for him. And if everybody followed him, they wouldn't be issues for anyone else either. So he was the living proof, if you will, of the supernatural, of that there's something beyond the biological organism and the material identification of king or queen or whatever it may be. In this case, it was the king, the Raj, Parikshit Maharaj. So when they saw him, they knew he has the answer. The Raj wants to know what to do at the time of death. He knows what death is. Hmm? Really, for all intents and purposes, he's transcended the world. He's transcended death. So the boy Sukadev uh, spoke, and when he starts, starts, when he's speaking about these chapter in these chapters, the Madhurya Rasa center of of the Bhagavatam, in the penultimate chapter of these five that deal with the romantic love of Krishna, he begins and speaks about Krishna in a certain way by addressing him or describing him to the to the king with a particular epithet, a particular name that's a little bit um, derogatory. That's very curious. He refers to him as Chori. Chori means it's, an, it's a name that identifies Krishna with his Chatriya lineage. You know the birth of Krishna is peculiar because he, he appears to have been born in Mathura hmm, to uh, a lineage of warriors but there's another inside story where actually he appears he's born in Vrindavan to cowherders 
and the mentality of the warrior and the cowherder is quite different. Hmm? The mentality, <laughs> we can imagine, <laughs> the disposition of the warrior is like, he's a little heavy, you know, he's a, he's a leader, he's a manager, you know, and, and so managers have to say, no, and I don't have time to explain why, and that's that, and we're doing it like this, and that's it, and okay, and it works out better that way, and that's how they have to be, hmm? um, you know, to some extent, and that doesn't mean they don't care about you, they know, and it's only so much time, and we're going to get it done like this, and and, and so on, so uh, and to speak of them, we take it to the warrior side, you know, you've got these hawks, for example, you know, in the disposition as it's sometimes depicted as opposed to, I guess, the dove. And, uh, <laughs> and if there's a chance, like, you know, we could, we, could, we could solve the problem by killing them, let's kill them. That sounds like, you know, I'm ready for the fight, you know, kind of thing. Or get these policemen now, you know, like, been carrying these guns around for so long. They practiced so many times shooting, you know. Can we ever shoot anybody, you know? There's somebody, you know. Make up a reason, shoot them. Put it on the YouTube, you know, <laughs> something like that. So, so uh, you know, the point is that, that you know, uh, that the, 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 the heart of the warrior can be a little harder hmm, sometimes, or an appearance of such. Hmm. Now, the heart of the, the cow herder is, is different because if you herd cows, your feet will get harder, barefooted, of course, but... Your, your your heart will get more tender. They're so lovable hmm? um, in all of their mischief, uh, which is considerable. Um, and so the cowherds people, they're uh, 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 softer-hearted and un, uninformed and so forth. So he addresses Krishna, or he speaks of Krishna, to the, to the Raj by invoking this name because it indicates that Sugadev in his own life he was a realized soul but now he's come in touch with Bhakti and beyond being a realized soul he's becoming a, a self-realized he's becoming God-realized and a lover of God and in a particular sentiment. Hmm? So he uses this word because he's a little upset with Krishna as the gopis are. Hmm? And, in particular, how the gopis in Radha, Radha and her group of gopis, milk maidens, are. They're quite upset with him. Hmm? So Sugadev is feeling upset with him too. Hmm? Means he's, he's entering into that same sentiment. So how qualified is he to speak on the Bhagavatam, or what it's about? Hmm? Why are they upset with him? Hmm? Why is Sukadev picking up on this and entering into that? Uh, it's kind of like, you know, you love somebody, you get angry with them. It doesn't mean you don't love them, but, you know, it's, sometimes it shows a different face. Hmm? But they were angry for him, some, sometimes Radharani's group, for good reason, and sometimes for no reason. That is the nature of that. But this time, for good reason. Why? Because, as Sukadev explained, previously, in the previous chapters, that Krishna had reached the perfection of playing his flute. Hmm? By, he got this flute, 
in the Govardhan Leela from Shiva, actually. Uh, not the Govardhan Leela, but the, the, the Indra Leela. Well, the, yeah, the Govardhan Leela. Hmm. From when the gods came afterwards, headed by Indra, and Shiva came too, and they all gave presents to Krishna. So a bamboo flute was given to Krishna, and he began, went up into his tower above Nandamarsha's house, and he used to play, and he said, oh, this is cool. I have some power with this. I can play this, and stones start to melt, and water becomes stone-like. Hmm? So he played it, and he influenced the inanimate things, and then he played it, and the cows would come, and they would milk, and, and so forth. And so, and when he, you know, when he perfected the fifth note, this is the, the romantic note, then Gopis' hearts were charmed. Hmm? When he was working on that, he played it one day and all the Gopis came. Millions of them. Billions of them. Hmm? And he looked and, and, and amongst them only one was missing. Radha. And he said, go home. All of you, return to your homes. I'm sorry, it was a mistake. They are all partial manifestations of Radha. It's like the embodiment she is of so many loving emotions. And she manifests as each emotion, practically. Hmm? Something like this. Hmm? As a person, personifying certain aspects of herself. But she's the whole thing together. And he's really only trying to attract her. But he couldn't quite perfect it enough. And so he sent them all home. But on this night... This is the night of the Sard Purnim, the 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 the, the uh, harvest moon hmm? in the harvest season, a moon of plenty. Hmm? It's if you've seen it, of course, it's a very golden moon, appropriately so, and very romantic also. Hmm? The romantic harvest moon of plenty, hmm? and the whole season of working in the fields and. Growing has all now come to fruition, and uh, it, and, the, and everything is harvested, and it's a time of celebration and abundance and gratitude and so forth. And so Krishna steals into the night, and he plays his flute, and all the gopis hear their name in the sound of the flute, and they all come. And Radha, of course, is amongst them. They all arrive in the dead of the night having foregone all the domestic obligations that they had with milk boiling over on the stove and so on and so forth, risking their reputation, the reputation of their village, doing something that was inappropriate against the Dharma. Hmm? But they went. They heard the flute. They met Krishna. And Krishna said, what are you doing here in the middle of the night? Hmm? And he said, there are so many reasons from, from the point of view of Dharma that you shouldn't be here. And the sadhus, uh, from the point of view of knowledge, they, they shouldn't, you shouldn't be here. So he we tested them. Hmm? Are you here? Is your interest in me, your bhakti in me, covered by jnana and karma? Or is it, is it um, jnana karmadi anabritam, freed from that? Is, is it anukulena? Krishnanushilanam, is it ongoing, favorable? Hmm? And of course, they pass the test with flying colors. And so, the long and building relationship that's 
that's what these chapters, among other things, leading up to these, this, this particular center of the Bhagavatam, uh, are about. In other words, the Vatsalya center, the Sakya center, it direct, indirectly, in terms of Vatsalya Ras, and directly in terms of Sakya Ras, also are facilitating this. They're part of this. It couldn't happen, the, the union love of Radha and Krishna without that. So there are, uh, you know, you have your hero, your heroine, you have your, um, what would you call them? Your, um, no, you know, you have, you know, you, the best actor in a leading role and best actor in a supporting role. And so, so you have supporting roles. Hmm? But Salyaras is a supporting role in, in indirectly by posing up, making opposition. Sakyaras is, Especially in the Priyanarma Sakya, is is, is a, a, a supporting role in an assisting way, and and going along with Krishna and Radha and their mischief, and, and so on and so forth. Hmm. So it's all built up, and now they've come and they said, "We love you," and he says, "I love you," and so the whole thing is consummated, and it takes the shape, the consummation of the this secret under the behind-the-scenes relationship between Krishna and the, and the milkmaidens is consummated in the form of the circle dance, the rasa dance, hmm? which is a particular type of dance, music, and so on and so forth. And, and so it begins. And this is like, we just got married. We're, we're at the church, you know? And we're going to get... It's a private church. It's hidden. It's in Las Vegas. Nobody knows about it. But anyway, it's happening. You know, our union with Krishna... He's here, and then he disappears. And then they realize, oh, he didn't go alone. Oh, they're following his footprints. They see there's someone else's footprints. They t- oh, he took another gopi with her, with him. Hmm. She must be special. Hmm. And so as they go forward, they follow the footprints. They find her, but they don't find him. And they find her in a condition that of of feeling separation from him that exceeds all of their feelings of separation combined. And so they're filled with empathy for her. Hmm? And then with her lead, they go to the banks of the Jamuna and they began to do kirtan. Hmm? And so they're doing kirtan. Of course, they're doing only kirtan about Krishna. They can't give him up. I mean, he's just left them. It's just like he came to the church to get married and he left he split right there. He was in the aisle and he turned around and went out. Oh my, I mean, can you imagine what that might do to the bride hmm, to be? The groom says, uh, excuse me for a minute. And he doesn't come back. This is how they felt. Hmm? Still, they couldn't give up thinking about him. And then he's watching them. Hmm? And he sees the, the intensity of their love, the selflessness of their love. And he's just overwhelmed by that. Hmm? Hmm. And so he reappears on the scene. And as Sukadeva's describing it, of course, he's a little angry with Krishna. Hmm? And, and when Krishna, he mixes and starts to intermingle and takes a seat and so forth and exchanges glances and expressions with different gopis and he looks at Radha and he sees these Frowning eyebrows, looking at him, hmm, like this. This is very 
powerful and very endearing and he becomes very submissive and uh, a little shy and embarrassed and then they say nice of you to come back like that <laughs> but this, we're very curious about something and we would like to know what kind of lover are you anyway hmm. so they said there's three types of lovers there are those who love only when others show affection for them. And then there are those who love even when others don't show affection for them. And then there's a third type that uh, that don't show affection, don't seem to care about anybody, whether you like them or not. Which kind are you? And they have in their own mind some idea of which type he is. <laughs> and they're not you know, real pleased about it. Uh, this is the Leela, of course. These are the, the sentiments, the Bhavas. So, so Krishna's answers. And he says, well, actually, as far as the first kind goes, those who love only when others love, they don't really have any love. Hmm? That's just a business transaction. Hmm? Uh, so I don't, uh, that, that's not very desirable at all. And then amongst those who love, even when others don't love them, there are two kinds, he said. There are parents. Hmm? That's one kind. Hmm? They love, even when the children don't love back. Hmm? He said, that's very noble. That's very glorious. And the second kind, which is a higher kind of the same type of love, those are the sadhus, saints. Hmm? Even if you don't love them, they, they love you. They keep sending out love and keep trying to uh, help people and so forth and so on. He said, and and he, when he says this, he says, he says, oh, my dear slender wasted ones, sumadhyamaha, hmm? uh, it means very middle, middling, but it means also very slender wasted. So he's describing them, but he's at the same time, the language is such as he's saying that this type is what you you are. Hmm? You are this Madhyama type. You are slender-waisted, and you are this middle type of the three. This is the second one, the middle. You are of the middle type. And of the two types that are the middle, the parental and the saintly, you are the saintly type. Hmm? He said, you are, the, you are the real sadhus of the world. Hmm? You are the real saints of the world. You're, you are lost. So he, in, a, in an indirect way, he glorifies their love. And then he goes on to the third type. He said, the third type... Well, of the third type, there are four types. Hmm? And of one of those types, there are three types. So Krishna is quite complicated and nuanced. <laughs> so, so he says, the first type, that's called, who, who doesn't reciprocate whether you like him or not. Hmm? Right? He said, that, that's called Atmaram, who's self-satisfied. And whether you like him or don't, it doesn't make any difference to him. Like him, you hate him, he doesn't see any difference. Hmm? He's completely absorbed in self, the Atma. Hmm? So there's the, he said, and then there's the, there's the Atmaram and there's the Optakam. Optakam means one who's got everything materially. Hmm? He's got all, all material desires completely fulfilled. And so... 
kind of the man who has everything. So uh, uh, he doesn't need anything. And so if you try to give him something, well, you can't, you know. So he said, this is another kind of person. Hmm? Doesn't reciprocate hmm? when, when, when others do. And then, then there's the, 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 the person who's akritgeha. Um, He's an ignorant person. That kind of person actually has desires for uh, reciprocating with others, and others do reciprocate with him, but he doesn't recognize that they're doing it. Hmm? He has the desires, and then people do nice things for him, but he doesn't recognize it. He doesn't acknowledge it. He's just kind of an ignorant person. He's like really not in touch with himself very well, something like that. Hmm? And then he said the fourth kind, that's the Guru Druha. Hmm? And there are, what are those? There are three types of those. Guru Druha is the one, basically, who, 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 um, who, who goes against those who are his well-wishers. Hmm? Hmm? So they offer well-wishing. He doesn't love them back, but instead of not loving them back, he goes against them, like the one who bites the hand that feeds them, something like that. And I said amongst them there are different types. Some are are abaladruha uh, means they're they're alpa They're a little bit like that. They have some reason for being mad at their well wisher, hmm? and so forth. They, therefore, they don't reciprocate. They're not as bad. Uh, and then amongst the the, the guru hudruhas who go against their authorities. There are a couple of other types, he said. Um, uh, and one of them is those who, is a little different, but they, amongst those who they're um, protecting, who have faith in them, take shelter to them, they hurt them. Hmm? And one other kind, uh, can't remember. <laughs> So it's complicated, but anyway, he says. So the so then the gopis think, well, well, we'll not see now. Which kind are you? You're not Atmaram, that's for sure. You're not at Optikam, hmm? um, and and they're going through in their minds, and they're thinking, maybe he's some type one of these Guru Druha types. What's he actually saying? And so they ask him to come out. So well, so where do you fit into all this? He says, well, that's a good question, and. Uh, my answer to you is that there's different ways to look at that, <laughs> he says. And one, one of the ways is, well, in my form as Narayan, I'm Atmaram. Hmm? And as my form as Narayan, I'm also Optikam. Hmm? Everything I could ever want, material I could have, and at the same time, I'm fully satisfied in myself. Hmm? But as the son of Nanda, as Krishna... Not as Narayan. Narayan is overtly God, and Krishna is human-like and more lovable. He says, as the son of Nanda Maharaj, he said, "I'm not Atmaram," hmm? and you know that. And and they and, and I'm not Optikam either. Hmm? I, as far as Akritagya, being ignorant, that more applies to me. So. I'm an ignorant villager, and I, 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 maybe, perhaps you could 
categorize me along those lines, or perhaps amongst the Guru Druhas, those who hurt those who have taken shelter of them. Maybe I could be thought of like that because you had taken shelter of me and then I left you and hurt you. But in reality, the fact is, I'm none of these. Hmm? I'm none of these. I'm a different kind altogether. Hmm? And you're wondering what kind of lover I am because I left at the consummation of our romantic affair, building up over so many years and so many leelas and so forth. This is the high point of the Bhagavatam. Hmm? So why did I leave? So I had a whole different reason in mind. Hmm? My reason was that your love for me is very extraordinary. It's selfish. Nothing excels it. Hmm? And that said, in general, I have many devotees. And this is the way I deal with them. Sometimes, for those who are sadhakas, practitioners, I disappear. I make myself as if I'm not there. Hmm? And then they feel like, they must have done something wrong. Maybe they think, I made an offense. I'm chanting his name, but I can't get any taste. And still they go on and they feel remorseful and so forth. In this way, he said, their attachment for me grows. Hmm? I do it to somehow to grow their attachment. And they chant more earnestly. And they practice more earnestly. And they pray more sincerely. And this was helps them to progress in terms of attachment for me and developing a bhakti samskar. And so I do it to increase the love that they want. Hmm? And then there are siddhas, premikas, hmm? who have attained perfection. And sometimes I disappear from them. And he gave an example. Just what happens is if you have something very valuable and then you lose it, Oh my God, then you know how valuable it is. Oh no, I lost it. Hmm? I, I lost my iPhone. Now what am I going to do? Hmm? Oh God, I can't think about anything else. I've got to find it. My whole world is there. Hmm? <laughs> Somebody could be calling me, for God's sake. Somebody might have you know, messaged me or something. Uh, uh, so uh, you think about it that much more and that how valuable it is in its absence you know, becomes more apparent to you, and so forth. So for my, those who love me deeply and have attained perfection, sometimes I disappear, and then, I, I, and then, and then their preem just increases. Hmm? So I disappeared, that your love might increase, and that amongst all of the lovers, hmm, all the types of devotees that I have that love me, your love is super excellent. And I wanted to showcase it for the whole world, hmm? that the world would know. And so with that in mind, that's why I left. Hmm? I'm sorry. Uh, what can I do? You please, uh, uh, you're very saintly. Perhaps you can forgive me. And at and, and this point, the tables start to turn. Hmm? And now the gopis start to feel, oh, how embarrassed we are. We thought ill of him. Hmm? But he loves us so much. And just see how, uh, uh, what a great uh, lover he is, and so on and so forth. And, and so they begin to you know, for, forgive him in their minds and find faults in themselves and so forth. And then Sugadev, this is where we end up here. <laughs> That's a long one. 
to get to the verse we're going to talk about, we end with this. This is the last verse of the penultimate chapter of the Bhagavatam's Madhurya Rasa, romantic love for Krishna, center. Hmm? And Krishna makes the statement. He says, Naparayeham hmm? nirabhadya samyujam swasadu kvityam pribudhayusapibha ya maapajan durjala gehasrinkala samrishchatadva pratiyatu sadhuna. Hmm? So he, I've, I've given an, an extended, uh, written an extended translation of this that I will share with you that takes into consideration the commentaries of different acharyas and uh, particularly uh, Sanatana Goswami's explanation of it in Brihad Bhagavatamrita and the lead he's given there to, to have a license to take it one step further while well, I've taken that one big step further uh, it's a verse that speaks about the timeless origin of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. This is the point deep within Krishna Leela where Gaur Leela uh, begins, if you will. Hmm? Krishna says, Your desire to meet me is faultless. Sasadu Krityam, Niravadyasam Yujam. It has no fault, it's completely pure. You have no desire. You, you approach me for nothing. You want nothing, hmm? only to please me. As your your whole your whole being exists only for this. It's completely faultless. There is no other thing attached to it. No other aspiration, desire, or anything of the sort. Hmm? Uh, and uh, thus, he said, your actions, swakritya. Hmm? Svasadu Krityam, they're saintly. Hmm? And I cannot reciprocate in kind even if I labored to do so for the duration of Brahma's life. That's a long celestial life, millions and millions and millions of years. So Svasadu Krityam Vibudhayu Sapiva. Hmm? Your activities are saintly. I cannot reciprocate in kind what you've done, uh, even if I took a lifetime of Brahma to do it. Yamabhajan durjara geheshrinkala. What can I give you in return when you have not asked for anything? Not even ecstasy. How c- you only want to please me. How- You're not asking anything. What can I... What can I give you? People approach me. They want something. I can give them whatever they want. You don't want anything. You only want to please me. What am I, how am I supposed to reciprocate with that? Hmm? You don't even want ecstasy. You're not even interested in the bliss of it all. Hmm? So he's very, he said, so, so what can I do? He said, you have worshipped me and in doing so, You have severed all ties with anyone else, even your family members. But I can't do that. Hmm? I can't do that and love you exclusively because I have so many devotees in different rasas that I can't give them up. Hmm? And I have my duties as a cow herder every day. Hmm? Uh, That I have... 
I, I can't, like you have, give up everything and, and, and just uh, reciprocate. Hmm? However, he says, your nature is saintly, and thus perhaps you can forgive me and relieve me of my debt. Hmm? So their minds are already turning, as I said, and they're already feeling like this. And he's explaining that, that, that he knows that that's the case. But he wants to go further. Hmm? And this is an extra step here, he says. Indeed, your saintliness, your sadhuness, your sadhuna, hmm, itself is worthy of my worship. And thus, your saintliness itself is your own reward. Your saintliness exceeds anything within me, so you already have, as you're exhibiting, more than me. Therefore, you have to settle for what you have. I worship that. I supplicate myself before that. Indeed, I desire that saintliness, that sadhuna, myself. And thus, this is my proposal. I desire that saintliness, and whatever I desire, that happens. That's just the way I am. And so, in the future, desiring that sadhuness, I will become a sadhu. This is my plan. And this, in an effort to repay you, I will become a sadhu and worship you once in every day of every life of every Brahma hmm? in every universe in ongoing effort to repay you for your service and love. And this is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. This is Krishna becoming a sadhu who appears on verse once in the day of Brahma. Hmm? There are many Brahmas and many universes. Once in every day, in every life of every Brahma, hmm? Hmm? I will appear in the world and I will make devotees for you. Hmm? I will be a devotee of you, hmm? a sadhu in pursuit of, of, of your love and glorifying it and heralding its glory, celebrating it the world over. So this is the charming Krishna who has become... Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Sriman Mahaprabhu. Javir Bhav Kijai. Udpremanandi. Hey.